You don't want somebody crying out to the Almighty because you mistreat them. You just don't want that. You don't want somebody praying to the Almighty because you're not doing something you should be doing because Father's got a way of intervening, especially if he agrees with you. Shalom, saints, and welcome to our verse-by-verse study of the book of Genesis. I'm your host and teacher, Arthur Bailey. In this podcast, we will learn the three C's of Haran, customs, culture, and contracts, or covenants. These customs set the foundation for the birth of a nation in the 12 tribes of Jacob, or Israel. Leah not only was the first wife, but the older sister of Rachel. Jacob never wanted Leah, but was bound by custom to take her as a wife. Jacob loved Rachel and Leah felt he hated her. Jehovah saw how Jacob was treating Leah and intervened by opening her womb to conceive. Leah eventually gives birth to six of Jacob's 12 sons. Rachel gives birth to two of Jacob's sons, and the other four sons came through Rachel's handmaiden Bilhar and Leah's handmaiden Zilpah. At the end of this passage, Jacob has 11 sons and one daughter. Today's study title is Love and Hate. So, let's study. We are in Genesis chapter number 29. Today, we're going to talk about love and hate. Last week in the lesson, Marriage and Deception, we looked at some culture and customs of the people of Haran and Abraham's kinfolk. It appears that Haran was named after Abraham's brother. And so when Jacob was able to effectively retrieve or get the birthright blessing from his father Isaac and his mother, who was able to effectively encourage her husband to send Jacob away to a family member in Haran, which was Rebekah's brother, for the purpose of getting away from Esau And when Jacob came into the land, one of the first things he saw was he saw these shepherds in a field waiting for uh, water so that the animals can be, be watered. And we identified that the customs that they seemed to employ was a little bit different than the customs that Jacob was accustomed to. And when he saw Rachel come with her animals, we noted that he broke protocol. The shepherds were waiting for all of the sheep to come. The sheep were sitting, lying in in the grass or whatever, uh, waiting for the water to be released. And Jacob is saying they should be out grazing. This is not the time to be watering them. And when Rachel showed up, he went and he moved the stone so that the sheep could be watered. So he gets into Laban's house and there they strike a deal to where Jacob begins to work with the understanding that he's going to get Rachel as his wife. Of course, we came into another custom where the firstborn or the older daughter had to be married uh, before the younger daughter. 
And what we come to realize is that in this marriage and deception teaching that it appeared that everybody was in on what was going on, but it doesn't seem as if it was some kind of trick played on the foreigner. Uh, Jacob is that Jacob did not know the customs and protocols and culture that he had gone into. And so it appeared from Jacob's perspective that Laban deceived him, but Laban in following custom and culture did what seemed like everybody understood (laughs) because Jacob spent all this time with Rachel, but yet on his wedding night, she's not the one going into the tent. Rachel doesn't say anything to Jacob, which suggests that she understood the culture and the custom of the firstborn being married to the man before she could be married. Not that they'd be married to the same man, but that the firstborn would be married before the younger. And so we identified several customs, the shepherds, the sheep, and the well custom, calling cousins, brothers, and sisters, because it was clear that based on the discussion, Jacob made it very clear that He was Laban's sister's son. Laban was his uncle. His children would have been his cousins. Rachel and Leah was the cousins of Jacob. But Laban called Jacob his brother. And then there was the firstborn sister marriage, which was first custom. The custom for marriage as we looked at it, seemed to be a seven-day feast. And then a couple of more customs, the handmaiden custom. It appeared that when a daughter got married in that custom, a handmaiden was given to that daughter. Now, for whatever reason, this uh, was not the case with Sarah, who came out of that custom, because it appears that when she came out of that custom uh, with Abraham, she didn't have a handmaiden or the handmaiden was not known. But after she went to Egypt, it was in Egypt that the Pharaoh gave her a handmaiden. And this is how she acquired Hagar and Hagar as a handmaiden. Sarah did understand the handmaiden custom for what some reason or another, because when she could not see herself as Bringing forth a son from her own womb, she used her handmaiden to bring forth a child, which uh, we're going to look at a little bit today, and that is the surrogate mother custom. But again, we also pointed out the custom of the firstborn, and this firstborn, there seemed to have been some customs that was associated with firstborn daughters as well as with firstborn sons. The firstborn son gets the birthright, but the firstborn daughter gets to marry before the younger. So there are these customs that seem to somehow find their way into the instructions at Sinai on how the children of Israel are to conduct themselves. More on that later. These customs set the foundation for the birth of a nation and the 12 tribes of Jacob, 
known as Israel. And so I keep wanting to point out Israel as Jacob, but Israel also as the 12 tribes, as well as Israel as a land. Because oftentimes when people talk about Israel, they aren't talking about tribes. They're talking about a state, having a love for a state or having a love for the Jewish people. And the idea behind Zionism is to become a homeland for the Jews. So the land and Jews almost become synonymous. That's not how it is in the Bible. In the Bible, Israel first was a individual whose name was changed from Jacob. And then it became 12 tribes, not one tribe. So if anything, if the Zionists were to be true to what is written, Israel would be a homeland for the 12 tribes, not for one tribe. Jacob loved Rachel, but Leah felt he hated her. Now, what's interesting is that I don't believe Jacob used the language, I hate you, but his attitude toward her. His demeanor toward her gave her that impression. Not only was Leah the first, but the older sister of Rachel. Jacob never wanted Leah. And this is the issue. He didn't work for Leah. He worked for Rachel. He ended up with something that he really didn't want. And because he didn't want it, it's kind of hard to (laughs) change your You know, he never wanted Leah, and Leah felt that. And no matter what she did, she couldn't overcome it. Jehovah saw how Jacob was treating Leah, and he intervened. Now, I find this interesting because even though we may not understand the culture and the customs, there are no customs and cultures that Father don't understand. In fact, he informed his people, when he brought them out of Egypt, beware of the customs and the cultures of the people around you. Beware of the customs and cultures of the people around you. The way they are accustomed to operating is not how I want you to be. I want you to be a people who honor and reverence me, not like they honor and reverence their God, which really don't honor or reverence at all. The beauty of Jehovah is that he is the only Elohim that is not made by the hands of a man. All other Elohims are idols. They're made by the fashioning of the hand of men, and whoever makes the God controls the God unless it ascribes some kind of control mechanism to themselves in the sense by now getting the people to worship the God that they created in essence, worship the creator of the God. It's a psychological warfare, if you would, to claim the minds of men. So when Jehovah saw how Jacob was treating Leah and intervened by opening her womb to conceive. And this left me with the thought, was her womb closed? Or is he's giving her 
the ability to become pregnant because it's later going to state that Rachel was barren. Verse 30, and he went in also. This is Jacob. So on his wedding night, he found out that he had Leah in that room. And then he confronted Laban and Laban told him that, you know, I'll give you Rachel, but you got to work another seven years. And what made it workable for Jacob is he didn't have to wait, work another seven years before he had access to her. It's after the week of fulfillment of marriage, the day after Jacob is now in the tent with Rachel. So he's just spent a week with Leah based on the custom. And it's like, okay, see, in our culture, this is unfathomable. But there are cultures, brothers and sisters, where there's first, second, third, fourth, fifth wives. Everybody understands this is how it's done. This is how we were brought up. So a stranger comes in and see this and they got some real issues. These were some of the challenges the missionaries had when they wanted to bring that Western Christianity. They wanted to bring the the American gospel. They're bringing their version of the gospel to a land and a people who seem to have customs and traditions that is anti the American gospel. And what's interesting, too, is as we get into uh, the Torah, you're going to see that father didn't have issues with what seems to be people issues. And so he went in unto Rachel and he loved also Rachel more than Leah and served with him yet seven other years. And when the Lord Jehovah saw that Leah was hated, so he sees something. He see that Jacob is not treating Leah a certain way. And so what does he do? He intervenes. He opens her womb. Now, this action to me seems as if father is honoring that custom. He know Jacob worked for Rachel. He know what was going on in that situation. But Jacob was mistreating her and that wasn't how it was supposed to be done. You see. Because, well, it was, it was kind of too late for Jacob to refuse Leah because uh, before he realized what was going on, he was all in. So there was no refusal at that point. But one thing's for sure, it seems as if father was in some ways bringing some kind of honor and respect to Leah based on how Jacob was treating his wife. We're going to find out later in the actual instructions that a man who has more than one wife has to be very, very careful about how he treats them. Now, I'm not an advocate of multiple marriages, but you can't read the Torah without coming to the conclusion that father wasn't adamantly against it. Cultures are different. There are some cultures that allow it. There are some cultures that don't allow it. And so that's between you and the Almighty. Leah conceived and bare a son, and she called his name Reuben. For she said, Surely Jehovah has looked upon my affliction. Now, therefore, my husband will love me. 
So her statement is, my husband hate me. And she thinks, and this is common. This is a common thought, even to this day, that there have been women who actually use childbirth as a way to trap a man. And there are women who believe that by giving their husband a child, he's going to love her more because what man doesn't want a child? As I read through this, I get the impression that unlike Abraham, who that's all he could think about, Jacob could care less. Jacob never really get into the whole children thing. What he wanted was Rachel. And that seemed to have been his focus. And no matter what Leah did, it didn't change that fact, whether Rachel gave him children or not. It's amazing that there are men who have such love for their wives, whether they give them children or not. And that's a beautiful thing when you think about it, you see. And I believe that Jacob was that kind of fellow. And so she says, now that I've given him a child, my, my husband will love me. And she conceived again and bare a son and said, because Jehovah has heard that I was hated. <laughs> Jehovah is coming to her aid because of how her husband is treating her. Now, I learned something after a few bumps and bruises that Peter wrote that you cannot deal with your wife harsh. You just can't do it. Why? Because father, it will hinder your prayers. Peter says it this way. Do not deal with your wife harshly, lest your prayers be hindered. Father is very, very watchful of how we treat our wives. And in this particular case, he literally comes to Leah's aid because of how her husband is treating her. And she's crying out to him, I suspect, because they're having some conversations and she's actually naming these children based on some of what she's asking him to do and he doing it on her behalf. And so because Jehovah has heard that I was hated, who do you think he heard that from? <laughs> Jacob? The Bible simply says that Jacob loved Rachel more than Leah, right? But Leah got the impression that because of how he was treating her, he hated her. Well, I guess there's a thin line between getting something you don't want and now how do I interact with this wife I really don't want? I'm not interested in this woman. That's the woman that I'm interested in and all this other stuff is irrelevant. And so she says, because Jehovah has heard that I was hated, he has therefore given me this son also. And she called his name Simeon and she conceived again and bare a son and said, now this time will my husband be joined unto me because I've borne him three sons. Therefore was his name called Levi. And she conceived again. And bear a son. And she said, Now will I praise Jehovah. Therefore she called his name Judah. And then she stopped having children. So Jacob's first four sons came from Leah, his first wife. Reuben, which means behold a son. Simeon means heard. Levi means joined to. And Judah means praise. 
After Leah gave birth to her fourth son, she stopped having children. And when Rachel saw that she bared Jacob no children, Rachel envied her sister. So now there is a competition that is about to take place because Rachel is now jealous. So Rachel goes to Jacob and says, give me children or else I die. Now, there's something about Jacob. Jacob knows his limitations. And so he loved Rachel, but her words angered him. And he showed his anger in his response to her. And Jacob's anger was kindled against Rachel. And he said, am I Elohim? Am I in Elohim's debt? Who hath withheld from thee the fruit of the womb? So he's basically saying, I'm doing my part. You know, I'm not Elohim. And so he's a little upset. And so Jacob's word to Rachel in a nutshell was, am I Jehovah? The obvious answer is no. So you're talking to the wrong person (laughs) about this matter. Now, we don't see it, but the dialogue lends to this idea that Leah is having some conversation with the Almighty. And, and she's talking to him. My husband hates me. My husband hates me. I know that he thinks that my father tricked him. And now it's like he doesn't treat me like a wife. He, he doesn't treat me like, a, like he should as a husband. You don't want somebody crying out to the Almighty because you mistreated him. You just don't want that. You don't want somebody praying to the Almighty because you're not doing something you should be doing Because Father's got a way of intervening, especially if he agrees with you. So Rachel's response highlights another custom, and this is the custom of the surrogate mother. This custom was first implemented by Sarah through a handmaid, Hagar, who gave Abraham his first son, Ishmael. And she said, verse 3, Genesis 30, Behold my maid Bilhah, go in unto her, and notice this, and she shall bear upon my knees. In other words, I mean, you got to get the image here because there's an image here that she's going to get pregnant. And when she goes to give birth, she will be on top of me in a sense on my knees so that when the child comes out, it would be like I'm giving birth to the child. And she shall bear upon my knees that I may also have children by her. Now, the thing about the surrogates or the handmaidens in Haran is that they knew that the child belonged to the master. Hagar seemed to have been cut from a different cloth. (laughs) She was an Egyptian. (laughs) Their customs was a little bit different than the, the Haranians because it's like, okay, this is my boy. And she's looking at Sarah going, nah, 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 something like that, mocking her. But Bilhar and Zilpah, they're not going to do this. And she gave him Bilhar, her handmaiden to wife, and Jacob went in unto her. And Bilhar conceived and bare Jacob a son. And Rachel said, God has judged me and has also heard my voice and has given me a son. Therefore, now, here's what this verse also states, that when Jacob rebuked her, Because basically when he said, I'm not Elohim, you're talking to the wrong person. This statement says he has heard my voice. So I suggest that 
it suggests to me that after that, she went and talked to the right person and he heard and he answered her and has given me a son, therefore called she his name Dan. And Bilhah, Rachel's maid, conceived again and bare Jacob a second son. And Rachel said, with great wrestlings, have I wrestled with my sister and I have prevailed. And she called his name Naphtali. Now, there's another circumstance going on here, which is very similar to what Sarah saw. It seems as if what Rachel is saying, she's come to the conclusion that she can't have children. So now she's looking for another alternative and possibly, according to her prayer, is prayed, well, I'm not having children, so enable Bilhah my handmaid, to become pregnant. Because notice what it says. And Rachel said, Elohim hath judged me and has also heard my voice and has given me a son. Now, he didn't give her a son from her own womb, which suggests she may not have asked for a son from her own womb. Because like Sarah, Sarah says, no, there's no way I'm going to have a child from this body. I'm too old to have a child. And I'm pointing this out because there are times when we've already put limitations on the Almighty and we want him to operate in a way that is outside, you know, what would be somewhat the norm. It's like, if I can't have children, then give me a child through my handmaid. You see, that's the kind of prayer it seems like she prayed. And Bilhah, Rachel's maid, conceived again and bare Jacob a second son. And Rachel said, with great wrestlings, have I wrestled with my sister and I have prevailed. Now, if anybody know anything about wrestling, Jacob, he's going to find out about wrestling. And now Rachel is wrestling. And I don't think this is a physical wrestling. This is emotional. She's going through some emotional warfare, probably looking at her sister all crooked eyed probably treating her in a certain way to where she knows she's not pleased with her, probably saying, hey, you know, I know our custom, but he loves me. He loves me more than he loves you. Can't you see that? So no matter how many children you have, you'll never be able to take his love from me. I mean, this is the kind of stuff, the kind of contention that goes on when you have jealousy. And any man who has two women, No, there's some jealousy. Now, in a culture, and and in this particular culture, polygamy was an acceptable practice. But yet, it didn't stop the jealousy and the envy from occurring between the wives. And so she said, with great wrestlings have I wrestled with my sister, and I have prevailed. And she called his name Naphtali. So two of Jacob's sons came through Rachel's handmaiden, Bilhah, and that's Dan, which is a judge, meaning, and Naphtali, meaning wrestling. So Leah follows Rachel's example. Now, Leah's the older. She's looking at what the younger sister is doing. Follow her example. Give her handmaiden to Jacob, even though she has more children than Rachel. In fact, she had children from her own womb. Now, remember that the introduction to Leah was that she was weak-eyed. Leah had some kind of psychological, physical, visual 
she has some kind of challenge that the Bible is not clear, but it states that she was weak-eyed, indicating that she may have had some visual issues or she may have had some mental issues. We don't know. She's now, if anything, it's like, you know what? Why am I competing with her? I have four children from my own womb, she could say. Even though you had to use your handmaid, these children came from my own womb, which means that she had advantage in the conversation or the argument unless she didn't know how. But we're going to find that she's got some negotiation skills. <laughs> when Leah saw that she had left Baron, she took Zilpah, her maid, and gave her Jacob to wife. And Zilpah, Leah's maid, bears Jacob a son. And Leah said, a troop cometh. And she called his name Gad. And Zilpah, Leah's maid, bear Jacob a second son. And Leah said, happy am I, for the daughters will call me blessed. And she called his name Asher. So what do we see here? We see at this point that unlike the circumstance with Sarah, where she gave Abraham Hagar, and Abraham had relations with Hagar, and that was the end of it, these seemingly are repeated encounters by Jacob with his handmaids and with the woman. So even though Leah, or let me put it this way, even though Jacob, loves Rachel, he's still performing his husbandly duties with the wife that he loved less or may even hate. And you find that interesting that even though he is not necessarily all that excited about her, he's still sleeping with her. Yeah, you know, I'm just trying to point out the obvious. <laughs> See, even the Torah in circumstances where a man may have multiple wives, he cannot withhold that which is due from his wife. And this idea carries all the way over into the New Testament when Paul writes about in 1 Corinthians chapter 7 that a wife is not to withhold her husband's body from him. In other words, the wife's body belongs to the husband. The husband's body belongs to the wife. And so under no circumstance can either one of them withhold what is rightfully due their spouse. But it don't stop people from doing it. And they don't realize that in that moment when you are doing something like that, you are in violation of father's instruction and going against what he may require or desire of you, which makes it easy or makes it difficult for him to respond to certain prayers. We ask him when we're not operating in the level of integrity, he's asking us to operate in. I've said it uh, in my mind a thousand times. I never have a headache. If my wife want to use this body it's hers, <laughs> you know, Never got a headache, never sick, never, never in a position to say no, whether I feel like it or not. And how many of you know, sometimes you just may not feel like it. But in order to honor the idea that my body belongs to her, I know how I would feel if she withheld from me what I would 
desire. And this is where we must always remember we're always sowing. We're always sowing. And so, Zilpah made bear Jacob a second son. Happy am I for the daughters will call me blessed. And she called his name Asher. And so Jacob's seventh and eighth sons came through Leah's handmaiden, Zilpah, and Gad meaning troop, Asher meaning happy. And Reuben went in the days of wheat harvest and found mandrakes in the field and brought them unto his mother Leah. Then Rachel said to Leah, Give me, I pray thee, of thy son's mandrakes. Mandrakes were known as love apples. <laughs> Leah uses her son's mandrakes as a bargaining tool to hire her husband from her sister for the night. <laughs> Here's how it goes. And she said unto her, It is a small matter that thou, now notice this, thou hast taken my husband. Now, in the cultures where there are multiple marriages, it seems as if the first wife seems to be the boss wife. This is from the limited customs where I've looked where people do have those kinds of laws in effect or uh, in cultures where men have more than one wife. And then in some cultures here in the United States, uh, they had a program on TV called Sister Wives or something like that to where I never watched it, but just hearing it to where the wives are now in some kind of sisterhood, but they understand their order. And I, I know that in Mormonism, some of those kinds of things were occurring. People understood their role their place in the hierarchy, if you would. And so she says, you have taken my husband. So she accuses her sister of taking her husband. Wouldst thou take away my son's mandrakes also? And Rachel said, therefore he shall lie with thee tonight for your son's mandrakes. (laughs) So Leah laid claim to Jacob as her husband. She was the first to marry him, the first to produce children for him. She was the oldest and firstborn. And Leah seems to be invoking her firstborn status. So Rachel gave Jacob to her sister for some mandrakes, which suggests that Jacob was sleeping uh, mostly either with Rachel or spending that time with, with her. It's just things that can be read here that, you know, the scripture is not absolutely clear on. Verse 16, and Jacob came out of the field in the evening and Leah went out to meet him and said, thou must come in unto me for surely I have hired you with my son's mandrakes. In other words, buddy, you mine for the night. Here's the receipt. (laughs) And he lay with her that night and Elohim hearkened unto Leah and she conceived and bare Jacob the fifth son. And Leah said, Elohim hath given me my hire because I have given my maiden to my husband and she called his name Issachar. And Leah conceived again and bare Jacob the sixth son. And Leah said, Elohim hath endured me with a good dowry. Now will my husband dwell with me, indicating he was not dwelling with her because I have borne him six sons. And she hasn't gotten it yet. It doesn't matter how many sons you bear him. He never wanted you. He wanted your sister. And so she called his name Zebulun. And afterwards she bare a daughter and called her name Dinah. Leah bore two more sons and a daughter to Jacob for a total of six sons and one daughter. And so Issachar, there is a recompense, Zebulun, 
and Dinah meaning judgment. And so now Jehovah remembers Rachel. And as I can't help but think about how during all of this, what is father seeing going on with these, with these people? Because he's, he's looking at Jacob, Bilhar and Zilpah. And it's like, you know, they have absolutely no say in none of this. And then Rachel and what's going on with in their minds and in their hearts, you know, it's like, man, what does he see? And I have to imagine, you know, when he's seeing us and what's going on in the midst of us, what is he seeing when we're misbehaving? How is that making him feel when we're conducting ourselves in those kinds of ways? Which is why we always want to be on our best behavior and be aware. Verse 32. And Elohim remembered Rachel and Elohim hearkened to her and opened her womb. And she conceived and bare a son and said, Elohim hath taken away my reproach. And she called his name Joseph and said, Jehovah shall add to me another son. So when she has this son, she declares that Jehovah is going to add to her another son. So Rachel gives Jacob his first son from her womb and Joseph, which means Jehovah has added. And then after giving birth to her first son, Rachel declares she shall have another son. And as we will see, giving birth to this other son, which is going to happen a few chapters later, she's not going to make it. She will die giving birth okay here is a blurred map I hope you all can see it so here are the 12 sons and the one daughter so Zilpar begat that's a handmaiden Gad and Asher Bilhah Dan and Naphtali Leah Reuben Simeon Levi Judah Issachar Zebulon and then the daughter Dinah and Rachel Joseph and Benjamin has not yet been born. He's the one that shall cost his mother her life. Amen. So that's it for this portion. Thank you for listening to our podcast today. You can find more inspirational teachings and download our free ebooks on our ministry website at ArthurBaileyMinistries.com. Please follow us on Facebook at House of Israel Arthur Bailey Ministries, on Instagram at Apostle Arthur Bailey, on Twitter at Apostle Bailey, and you can subscribe to our YouTube page at Apostle Arthur Bailey One. If you're in the Charlotte area, please come and fellowship with us. We'll do our best to make you feel right at home. Our address is on our website at the About link under Contact Us. Again, thank you for joining us, and until next time, Shalom Saints.